Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, in honor of next week's episode, when I am speaking again with Mike Sturm, this week I'm revisiting a conversation I had with Mike Sturm about his collection of essays, Be, Think, Do, Deeper Essays on Personal Development and Productivity. And this was a really great conversation for me personally to revisit at this time. Right now, reevaluating things, reprioritizing things, and assessing the overall role and definition of the word productivity in my life is pretty big. I think it is for a lot of other people too. I hope it is for you. And so I thought this would make sense to revisit Be, Think, Do. And that's exactly what we do in this conversation with Mike. We talk about what each of those components of being, thinking, and doing make up what portion of productivity, because it's not all about just doing things. It's also about thinking, and it's also sometimes just about being, but it's not just about being in a passive way, but being in an intentional way. And these three things fold in on each other and aid each other in being done and getting done. But also, it's a really great conversation to go through again before listening to next week's episode with Mike Sturm on his new book, The Wabi Sabi Way, which was also a great conversation to have with Mike Sturm. This week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show for the first time, Mike Sturm. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. All right. So I don't know how long I've been aware of you. I, I just know that I get your, your newsletter in my inbox and knew that at some point I'd have to have you on. And then uh turns out you were writing a book and you came out with one. And that's usually the perfect time for anybody to show up on anything, right? Is they have something to <laughs> let people know they did. So let's let's talk about this book. Uh, Be, think, do. Obviously, you know people who listen to this show know that that's that is uh you know that is, those are the words right there. Being and thinking and doing. It's the it's the how are we to be and all about how you know 
It's not just about doing the right things or thinking the right things. And I want to break those down. Those Each one of those things is, is interesting in and of itself. And I think they actually kind of all go hand in hand. Why do those three things go together in terms of uh, the elements of productivity? Well, for me, those were the three things that are, I guess I'll say I like to break things down into the simplest components. Uh, and I try to get... Because my background is in philosophy, academic philosophy, and there's a lot of logical rigor there where, um, you know, Occam's razor is, is in full effect. It is, you know, let's let's break things down to the simplest elements and no more uh, and, of course, no less. And so when I started to, to look at my my catalog of the things that I've written about, almost all of it is on self-improvement, productivity, all that stuff you mentioned, and it gets into those debates that you were mentioning. And I just started to gather the ones that I thought were good because there's there's some stuff that's not great. You know, I was just thinking through some things and, and I published an essay. But the ones that I thought were really good and they got a lot of response and engagement, uh, they they kind of started to to go into three different areas. There was the things that were about um, just being a certain way or being a certain kind of person. And then there was stuff that was about thinking uh, and they probably mostly involved thinking in some way because I'm just infatuated with with thinking, how to do it better, uh, how we just do it by default, and, and then um, just what what's happening when we're thinking. And then the doing part, which is the part that I'm probably worst at uh, in my own personal life. I'm not, I overthink things and I don't really do a lot of stuff. Uh, it's, um, that that's something that I, I'm always interested in from a standpoint of being a learner. I want to figure out how to do not necessarily more, but at least do more of the things that that are really valuable and that I want to do. And then as I started to to separate these essays, I found that, man, what what I really also want to say in the book is not just productivity and personal development really just falls in these three realms. There's an order of operations. And uh, in the intro, I, I lay that out and talk about how, if you can, read the book in order from the B think do. So be first, then think, then do, because um, I think we tend to mix those things up. And if I had to, to be like Dr. Productivity and diagnose an issue that I see as I read stuff about productivity and personal growth, one of the things that I see is that we get that order of operations mixed up. We think that first, we've got to think and do, sometimes do before think, and only after we're, we're done doing some thinking and some doing, that's when we can be. Uh, but that's that's mixed up. We should be focusing on just being first, being ourselves, being comfortable, um, having a good relationship with ourselves. That's where like meditation and journaling comes in uh, as foundational practices and focus on that for a long time. And then after that, the thinking and the doing comes in. When it comes to the normal approach that people have say why, you know, the why behind maybe they listen to the show is that they want to get something out of it that's going to help them do something, do something more, do something faster, do something better or have it done and then be able to appreciate that it's done and be after the done, the doing is done, <laughs> you know, um, let alone maybe skip thinking. And yeah. I, I love that you're do, you're approaching it from the opposite way, that in the end, the right actions, the doing, which aren't the, the be-all, end-all, by the way. Um, no. But that if you must act, if you must do, do it after you've thought and think after you've been 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's tough to come up with the verb. I yes. stumbled with that as I was writing. <laughs> like, what's the <laughs> verb here? It's be, sure, but what about the past tense and the present tense? Yeah. So I, I think people who are listening to this episode and have, and have listened to a number of other episodes probably are seeing right now that, again, the, these three things, these, the being, the thinking, the doing, are where most of the the spread of going beyond a to-do list, the title of the show, uh, comes from, is that it's not all about having a list, which is, I, I would say, maybe comes out of the uh, the thinking part and halfway with one foot maybe into the doing side of things. Um, there's so much more to, quote, being productive than just the doing, just the thinking, and even the being as we often think about when it comes to, you know, because we've talked about meditation and and other mindful practices in that sense uh, on the show before, that it's it's a combination of all of the above. Yeah, absolutely. When you first meditate, if, if you've never meditated, if you're the type of person that's never meditated, uh, or if you've meditated and not gotten anywhere, um, then the first time that you do it, uh, you're either going to have a revelation about yourself or you're going to be uh, really angry or scared or have a strong emotion because you're unfamiliar with who exactly you are. You haven't sat down, stopped doing and stopped thinking and just observed yourself being yourself. You know, no pretense, no no context. You're just sitting there breathing and you're watching all these crazy, stupid, perverted, uh, dumb thoughts pop in and out of your head and you're, you, there's all these emotions that arise and fall away and you're like, what is all this crap? Uh, but if you pretend that it's not there and you just try to think and do all the time, you'll find that you're, you get in your own way all the time. You're trying to do things and, and think about things that don't mesh with or at least are not harmonized with who you are underneath all the the actions and the thoughts you have. And that's, for me, that's the important part. And, and really, like, for someone who's just getting started in that, in the space, reading about personal uh, improvement and productivity and all that stuff, you can trash this, the, the second two parts of the book and focus on the first one uh, and then find more literature like it. Uh, you don't have to meditate every day. You don't have to keep a journal every day, but at least do some of the activities that involve sitting silently on your own and just observing how you're feeling and what you're thinking and then maybe recording some of it. It's just it's a basic practice. I want to come back to the the be and the think and the do and kind of spend a little more time in that area. But I also want to go into this. I mentioned this earlier, this idea of productivity and the the way that we've kind of gotten to this word being the catch all of, you know, what people don't even necessarily know how to describe in terms of what they mean by that. You know, they, they say productivity and they and they think um, doing things better doing the right things, doing things faster, getting things done, as one book states, and that there's more to it than that. That You know, my, my friend Mike, Mike Vardy, he always talks about time and attention, and yeah. there's there's efficiency experts, and there's effectiveness, and there's, you know, and, and it has to do with, and you've got some thoughts on this, it has to do with uh, wrestling I think in a sense, some of what the be, think, do is that you're already, um, that you're already kind of grouping your writing into in terms of the book. But 
this idea of what is the definition of the word productivity and and honestly i don't know i think i think we can get tangled up in semantics and, and we will and the words but uh, well and we do but I, what i'm <laughs> saying is is i don't know that i don't know you you talk my my thought is <laughs> my final thought before i hand the mic back over is i feel like a lot of the time it's wasteful to spend the time talking about the differences between these words. Yet at the same time, I think it's incredibly helpful to differentiate what we mean by different words because you can get better insight and better, um, or, or better or deeper meaning out of them, so to speak. So I agree with, with everything, but then I also disagree with everything. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, yet. Like I like I mentioned, my my background is in is in philosophy, and it it's part of what drew me to that. Uh, aside from a professor telling me that that's what I should be doing, was just because I I uh, I get ra- I wrap up I wrap myself up in those debates uh, about the meanings of words like like a warm blanket. I just love that, and and it is because for one, it's fun, right? It's just it's something fun to do. And you could feel engaged and, and feel smart and like you're you're really realizing things. But then also it it does have impact. Uh, and so when you were talking about that, you know whether or not it's valuable, there's there's two things that I put in the book that come to mind. There's there's this um, the chapter at the very end, which is a, a new essay. So everything in the book except for the introduction pages, um, there's an intro at the beginning of each section and an intro to the whole book. That's all new stuff. But then all the essays, the ch- numbered chapters, those are all things I've published already. The final one, though, the final numbered chapter, uh, kind of addresses this point that you're talking about. And it doesn't necessarily talk about whether it's worthwhile to define these terms of productivity and efficiency and effectiveness. Um, but it does touch on something that maybe you can use as a guide if you get hung up too much on which one of those words you want to use as a guidepost. Uh, and it's something that, as I was struggling to do other things while I was writing this book, I just started to to use as my own metric, and that is feeling. Um, I had I had written this piece a while ago, and it's it's somewhere up on the internet, uh, and it was tentatively going to be titled Feelings Are Results Too, because I have, um, I've been told for a long time in my day job, I work in sales um, for a distribution company, like Results are are all that matters, right? Get the results, get the numbers, get the metrics. That's what matters. And I'm just not that type of person. So already I came out of the gate at that kind of job just, you know, being skeptical of that way of thinking about things. And nothing's really changed my mind in the the nine years or whatever that have come uh, between that time, right? I just, I continue to see people focusing on results when in reality that that's not always the best way to gauge how you're doing because, so much of the stuff is out of your control. It's the markets, it's other people in your organization, other people in your life. Uh, it's just, that's not always the best way to go. But what is a good way to go, at least for me, I found recently is your feeling of engagement. How engaged are you with things that you feel you need to be engaged with? Um, because at least this way, then you you can put forth what you believe to be the proper effort and even if the results don't come in the way that you desire or the way that you expect, you're still you're being you're being whatever it is that we're trying to be when we talk about productivity. If that makes any sense, I think so. I, I think that um, 
one of the things i mean again in the end why i kind of why i and others go to that place of of the three words be think and do that doing and the results the end you know being the the you know begin with the end in mind as we sometimes hear <laughs> yes. or um you know <laughs> that that it, that in, that in the end again what we're what are we doing for what what are we doing things for what is the outcome we're trying to achieve what is the quote goal we're setting and that it's the outcome it's the getting to the thing it's the achievement that is really the thing whereas i think what you're saying is is screw goals like <laughs> when it comes down to it like Sure, make progress. That's great and all. Do your best to do that. But in the end, it's about how do you feel? Like, how are you, are you comfortable with yourself? Are you okay being, uh, you know, who you are, uh, you know, and, and not in a frou frou way. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. In a, in a more centered, like being, uh, accepting, et cetera. So yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, that's why that's a large part of why I made that statement earlier about, you know, just, just get rid of the the second two sections of the book and focusing at focusing on the first one is going to be where the bang is for your buck, at least in the beginning. Um, you know, that's tongue in cheek, of course, because I'd like people to read the whole book. But but the reason for that is because so much of so much of the things we get tangled up in doing and uh, trying to achieve are because we think that that's going to get us that feeling of comfort and happiness. And I think most importantly, fulfillment or how whatever word, again, words, right? Whatever words you want to use to describe. But I think what we're after is, is a feeling and it's not, it's not pleasure or bodily pleasure or, or status or something like that. Those are shallow feelings, right? I'm talking about a deeper feeling. And if I had to go back to my previous life in academia, I'd, I'd bring forth something like Aristotle's eudaimonia, which is, you know, variously translated, I think the best one I've heard is flourishing. And it's supposed to be, it's supposed to represent that end of human life, the end goal. So the goals and the objectives that you set are are not ends in themselves. They're means to that end of, of eudaimonia, of flourishing, of living a full human life. And the thing about that is, is the way he talks about it, it's not, it's not so much a feeling, although you can feel when it's happening, but it's actually an activity. So it's not getting getting the objectives and it's not achieving the goals um, that is this flourishing or eudaimonia. It is the activity involved in making it happen. Um, and that's that's what he talks about in terms of building a good life. It's it's having worthy goals and having objectives that mean something, but then also being able to stop in the middle of that project where you're trying to achieve this goal and be like, you know what, I, I like doing this. Like maybe filling out this report or, or following up with this person is not a great activity. I'm not loving this, but like this process, I love it. I feel fulfilled and I feel whole and I feel complete. And I think that's what I was getting after when I when I threw feeling into the mix as a metric. Well, and the way that you're saying that, and I had never heard that um, that term before, and you know, flourishing to me, it sounds like when you're talking about activity again, that goes back to almost tying that that being is also an activity yes but it doesn't have to be but it can be right yeah it's almost a it's a choice between i can i can be or i can being i <laughs> almost like doing <laughs> i don't know be or be asterisk right yes, a little there asterisk there yeah oh gosh we could definitely 
dig way too deep here and geek out. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I hope that this is beneficial for people to, to think about. I mean, again, we can't always, you can't have every episode of a podcast be incredibly, um, practical takeaway steps that are how, you know, do this one thing and earn a quick win, so to speak. <laughs> yes. As, as, as beneficial as that is though, right? Like it's, it's still missing something. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a deeperness, a deeperness. That's not even a word. There is Make a, it one. <laughs> there is a depth to this that, uh, you know, is to be had. I, I mean, again, uh, when we come back to these three words, though, productivity, efficiency, and effectiveness. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, let's, let's quickly define, like, I mean, if you were to define the word productivity, like, what would you say? The best definition, I, I'm going to steal here, of course, but the best definition that I've seen uh, is uh, output divided by input. I think that's a great right. way that it, most people think about it. In other words, getting to the root of what the word productivity has in it, which is producing. Right. So it's it's a measure of output divided by input. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. So then if we take that same um, definition and kind of then move to the next word, um, which we don't have to do, but efficiency then – when people hear the word efficiency, they hear the meaning of the word having something to do with doing things quickly, that it was efficiently done. It was quickly done. But that's not necessarily right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, th I think it's – I think the better way to talk about efficiency is basically just um, doing things in the optimal way uh, or, or how how optimal the the process is, right? The, the, the fewest steps, the least um, the least amount of work – um, you like know, the, to a point. Yeah, like the best way that this thing can be done. Like it, it can't, it, it can't be optimized anymore at this current time. Maybe in the future it can be, but right now it's optimized. Right. And the important thing is that there's an assumption that you know you've that you've settled on whatever the thing is that you're doing. So it's it it has nothing to say. Neither of those two things, productivity or efficiency, has anything to say about. Um, the quality of the the output or the goal that's been chosen. Yes, exactly. So then effectiveness, that is something where I've heard people say, okay, so if there's the word productivity and that's, uh, you know, me doing things, uh, you know, well, let me put it this way. If productivity and efficiency, people interchange all the time. They say, I'm going to productivity yeah. effort. Uh, you know, this guy's a productivity expert. This person's an efficiency expert. I don't hear about effectiveness experts, <laughs> you know, somebody who comes no. in, although I think in some senses they'd be consultants because they would come in and say, you know, I mean, and, and consultants could be the other two things as well, but a consultant would come in and say, are you, you know, why are you guys not doing this? These things, you know, in other words, the bottom line, what's the most impactful things you could be doing or doing the right things? That, that, that I don't necessarily have any kind of qualms about with people's most often chosen definition of the word effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I think that's, that's the right way to define it. And I think the reason that, that, most people would say that what you said, which is that, I, you know, I don't often hear about effectiveness experts. Um, and even a lot of consultants wouldn't wouldn't phrase it that way is because it's messy work. Um, I mean, it's, you know, how long did we spend just talking about the what some people would call semantic differences yes. right, between a couple of things? That's what that's what I believe the work of 
an effectiveness expert would be because you've got just imagine it if you're a consultant right you've got to get a bunch of c-suite level people you know uh, high driving type a execs in a in a room and it's either a business they own or where they're supposed to deliver shareholder value to the board and they've got to be like all right hey let's sit down for like three days eight hours a day or whatever and just talk about whether you've chosen the right goals or not they're going to be like are you kidding me we, we've got these goals. We got it. We got to get the numbers. We got to get the metrics. So it's it's messy work. It's hard work, and it, it's a totally different mindset. You've got to be in a totally different uh, headspace and maybe even physical space to do that work to examine the goals and the objectives to see what the effectiveness is. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than three 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsor this week. It's SetApp, the subscription for Mac apps that has an app for almost any task so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started. And SetApp's great for so many reasons. First off, the price. It's $9.99 a month, which means you're not paying thousands for separate licenses for all the different apps. It's just one flat monthly fee. And with that, in SetApp, you get over 180 high-quality apps in one. All of those apps have updates that come for free. And all of those apps are full-featured pro versions. Not only that, but these are the 
highest quality apps because there's a dedicated curation team at SetApp that does the discovery and testing for you. So SetApp makes it easy to get those best tools when you need them because they're already in SetApp. So make sure to check out SetApp. You can try it free for seven days. Again, that's S-E-T-A-P-P dot com. There really is an app for almost any task you can think of so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started. That's S-E-T-A-P-P dot com. So I'm seeing a little bit of a correlation here in terms of these three words with the other three, but don't like hold me to that by any means. Um, (laughs) But let me see if I can correlate. So productivity being output divided by input. I, I kind of see that. I mean, some people would say, Oh, that's the doing that's, Mm. that's output. That's doing that's work. But uh, and and then some somebody would say, well, efficiency, doing uh, doing things optimized or optimizing things, that would be thinking. Because if you're thinking about it and you're studying whatever the process, the workflow, whatever you want to call it, then you're uh, taking it to its next level of uh, you know possibilities in terms of whatever it is you're doing. You're doing it more efficiently. You're doing it more optimized. And I should say this, you know, when you're optimizing things, you can put in less input and get more output. So there, there is a correlation between efficiency and productivity for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then when you get to effectiveness and doing the right things, I, I feel like that's the being, right? Like that's the, whatever the right thing is. I mean, I, it, it's partially thinking, I think. Yeah. I, I, thinking, I think (laughs) said, said the thinker, but, (laughs) but, uh, doing the right things would come out of choices that you've thought through and then acted on being, thinking, doing by being first, right? Like, I think, I, I feel like, so, so I feel like in the same way that people go for productivity first, then optimizing that productivity and then realizing, oh, I really should be aiming for effectiveness. It's the same thing with the doing first, then the thinking, and then the being almost being backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, really, though, it kind of folds back in on itself, right? Because right. if you get really productive and really efficient, but you've been aiming at the wrong things, you know, then you're, you're not going to be either efficient or productive, right? Because you produced a whole bunch of stuff that ultimately wasn't worth producing. So maybe you could still be productive, um, but because you're going to end up doing a bunch more work to double back and, and go back or, or just do something else totally and abandon what you've done, then you're definitely not going to be efficient. Well, and I would even say you you were productive. You you definitely were efficient. You were, you were doing that. You were short term efficient. Yeah. Yes. You, you, I mean, you were doing that thing the, the, the most optimized you can do it. And boy, did you produce. You were productive, but effective on the other hand, you did the wrong thing. This is where, this is where it comes back to words again, right? Because it depends on what, um, what the target of, of that term is, yes. right? When you said the thing, that piqued my interest because it's like, okay, yes, you were definitely productive and effective when it came or productive and efficient when it came to doing that thing. But if you, if you expand the scope of the word thing or the target of, of your study from like one process or one project to living a full life, then you're definitely not efficient. 
because even though you were efficient in the short term on a goal, it wasn't a goal that was worth pursuing. And if you re- if you were lucky enough to realize it, then you've got to go back and do what they call in the industry scrap and rework, right? You've got to go back and, and fix the the problems that you caused, or just at the very least, figure out a new plan on what you're going to do now. And then maybe you can be effective, but you've done a bunch of work that didn't need to be done because the goals weren't worth it. Now that we've gone round and round with three words and then three other words, and uh, you know, kind of landed here, I- I'd love to go back to. What are some of the components that you think the most important components? Again, I know that being is the most important and then the other two parts don't worry about. But if somebody is is reading through the book and decides to read the whole thing, like what of not just being, but also thinking and doing would you think are the the most important maybe pieces to start to – I almost said it. I'm going to uh-huh. say it to start thinking about <laughs> as you uh, – in, in other words, what would the key takeaway be for be, think, and do? Uh, and you can be more – there can be more than one for, for each of those sections, I guess. Okay. I, w- I would say if I wanted to go section by section, the, the thinking part, I think really the most important thing to get from the thinking part – and even I can talk about just one essay in particular. There's one in there – called Think Like No One Else. Uh, and it's it's got just you know actionable, surprisingly actionable for considering how I write, <laughs> ways of, of approaching the this thing that we call thinking. Uh, and, and it kind of boils down to systematically keeping your mind open. And there's just different tips in there about how to approach everyday problems, how to look for problems, how to look for things that are outside of your wheelhouse, so to speak, and then try to connect those with things that are in your wheelhouse, and then being surprised and delighted by the the different insights you can have, um, the power of analogy as a thinking tool, or like trying to make an analogy between two things that don't seem like they're analogous. Uh, that, that's been huge throughout my entire life, and has helped me quite a bit. Um, and really just open-mindedness, if it encapsulates all into one term, thinking effectively boils down to open-mindedness. And then this is where it folds back on itself again, because open-minded is a way of being too, right? It's a way of of um, presenting yourself to the world, if I could sound really meditative and frou-frou for a little bit. Uh, open-mindedness is just, it's a posture that you take towards the world and all the various facts and fictions that, that are in it. As far as the do is concerned, Asking questions would probably be the action that I think is most effective. It's asking questions of yourself, asking questions of other people, and maybe it's a little bit of cheating because that's almost like thinking, right? You're you're not really doing anything. You're just asking questions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but a lot of the advice that I that I give in these these chapters uh, in the do section talk about how to how to more effectively position yourself so that when you've got to do something. Uh, you're doing the right thing. So it's basically, it's talking about the topic of effectiveness. I I have um, a chapter in there about Schultzauer, which is something that I read about uh, a couple years ago. Um, George Schultz, who was the uh, Secretary of State under, uh, don't quote me because I might be wrong, Ronald Reagan, he, um, he had an hour every week where he essentially did what sounded like um, like a David Allen-esque weekly review, but he wasn't just going over his projects and his actions. He was just thinking. What's interesting is, so George Schultz is this famous guy who uh, is, you know, who who dealt with thinking 
but then he uh his um his grandson um went to work for Theranos and at the time George was also very in, heavily invested in Theranos and that whole thing fell apart and uh, infamously uh he was he was implicated as a person who just wouldn't listen to reason and wouldn't wasn't open-minded enough to see what was actually going on which was a huge fraud so that's kind of off topic but it's interesting because there's a way to take this actionable advice that's something so simple as like a weekly thought session and seem to just not use it in the right way you could he probably came up with all sorts of great thoughts but ultimately it led him astray so there's always that warning uh, attached to actionable little tidbits and, and quick wins it seems like it's ex- exemplifying one of the things we've talked about on this show before, which is, and even just as recently as uh, talking with Cal Newport, and one of the things that we didn't really dive too deep in on his new book, Digital Minimalism, was this section on solitude, though I alluded to it, where what George Schultz was doing, um, which while you were talking, I did look it up, and he was Secretary of State under President Ronald Reagan. So there we go. Wanted to confirm you there. Um that he's sitting there and thinking, but you know, it, it, it's it's one part he's sitting there and just being. Yeah. One, he's yeah. he's letting his brain. Um, uh, what's the word uh, when you when you uh, expand a brain because you're, you're stretching it? So decompressing it, you're letting yeah. it decompress. So thinking is ancillary. It's more of a being thing, though. Thinking can happen. Uh, definitely not doing though. Although no. you can argue he's doing thinking and being. Ah, you. So sorry. <laughs> Had to. He's he's actively he's actively thinking and doing. Yes. Though, pa- though also passive. So yeah, the active and passive in this is just it. It anyway. It, it, uh, I I do have to say. By the way, the book is so much better structured and laid out and um what's the word ordered than say a conversation can be because a conversation's messy it goes back and forth and you come up with something as you're saying it and so does the other person and vice versa but yeah i just wanted to point that out there again this is this is one of those this is one of those practical ways of showcasing that yes one person doing this thing still exemplifies like going in all three directions at once in a sense yeah and that's the big joke of it is right like i I spent all this time like sorting through these essays and, you know, aside from the time writing them over the years, like just finding out where they go. And I figured out pretty quickly that it's like you could really put these in any of them, right? I mean, it's in some sense, it's arbitrary. In some sense, it's meaningful. But the big joke is that it's uh, all of them are all three. I mean, you could really make an argument for any of them. And so, you know, go ahead and read and have a laugh. Well, and I think, okay, so kind of in closing here, I want to point this out that in the same sense that they fold in on each other, let alone the other three words we brought up, you need to do all three. I mean, I know you were saying, you know, really focus in on B and that's great. And, and I agree with you because a lot of people don't take that time. I mean, if, if, if anything, that's the thing that's lacking in terms of the quote productivity conversation these days. Um, yeah. It's a lot of focused in on doing some secondary information and thought process going in on thought and thinking being kind of takes the back seat. Uh, so your book comes in and says, Hey, being first. And that's great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I think that this is, I mean, again, it's an ongoing conversation. I think all three things are present at all three at, at all times. Like, like we said, thinking is a, is an action. 
which is a do. Being is a is an action, and that's a do. Uh, thinking, vice versa, is also doing. Uh, anyway, you you get what I'm saying. I so, get it. Yep. It, but, you're doing all three all the time. Yes. And that's like I start out the the section on thinking by talking about just how how weird it is because we're we're doing it all the time, whether we want to or not. And sometimes that's part of the problem. But then at the same time, we're trying to. It's almost like a fire hose that's always running mostly on full power. And then there's various times where we just hubristically expect to pick it up and then somehow control it and point it in the right direction within a matter of seconds. I mean, it's pretty ludicrous, right? But what can help you do that is just like getting used to how it's always flowing and flowing very hard so that you can come at it with a little bit of caution and a little bit of knowledge about what's going on. Yeah, man. Seriously, I know that we're going to have to talk again. But I'd, for now, I'd be happy to. Yeah, but but for now, uh I think I think the listeners had enough. And, <laughs> <laughs> and for Absolutely. those of you, I got to tell you, if, for those of you who made it through to the end of this episode, I applaud you. I you are my people. <laughs> um I apologize, I guess. I don't know what I don't know why, but uh, that's what I have to say. I thoroughly appreciate you geeking out with us and uh you should definitely pick up Mike's book because not only does it delve into what we're talking about in this episode, it does it much better than this conversation can convey or even instill like meaning meaning wise to you. I I can tell you that I got lots more out of the book than even this conversation. And I just kind of said, hey, this conversation sucked. And that's not true. I'm just saying the book is something you can like sit and dwell on and and be and think and, and do the reading. So there you go. I throw that out there too. Oh, Mike, <laughs> this has been awesome. Uh, let's, Likewise. let's, let's, uh, I know people can grab it on Amazon and I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes and everything. Where else can we send people to, to mikesturm.net and where else? Anywhere else? Uh, on Medium. Yeah. If you just go yes. to medium.com slash, uh, at Mike Sturm, I believe is the URL, or you can just go to medium.com and search Mike Sturm and it'll yeah. come up. Um, that's, awesome. that's where I, that's where I do all my writing these days. Awesome. Mike, again, great talking with you. I know you're going to be back because we'll have to deep dive deeper in in other areas. I don't know. Anyway, yes. Mike, thanks. thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. It was great. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Mike Sturm and found something meaningful in the re-examining of the meaning of productivity and are able to find something in this conversation about be, think, do, and what those components mean for your productivity. I can tell you right now that the book over on Amazon on Kindle is actually really cheap. It's currently $4.99. It's an easy grab. I'll link it up in the show notes. It is great reading. If you've made it this far in this episode, this is right up your alley, and it is mine as well. Uh, I did not yet reread the book, even though I had re-listened to this conversation, but in fact, I am going to reread the book and dive deeper in this topic in hopes of finding even more great conversational fodder for future episodes. If you found this episode helpful, or you know someone else who wants to geek out on this topic like we did in this episode, please hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice, or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com and hit the share button there. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.
Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.